today we're looking at the book of Acts, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Note this togetherness. I think that was very important. They were all together. If we look at Acts 1, we see it as the same thing. After Jesus had been put, taken up to heaven, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. There's this meeting together in prayer. Today we live in a very individualistic world, but the coming together is important. The writer of Hebrews says, let us not give up the meeting together as the summer in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Last week, Ricky encouraged us to think about what we would do after the ascension. And I remember Pete Douglas saying he would want to be with the others all the time because he wouldn't want to miss out. There's that togetherness, isn't there? Wanting to be together so you don't miss out. I think I would have felt the same. And what happened while they were all together? Well, the Holy Spirit turned up. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Try and imagine what that would have been like. I've, I've tried to think about that and try to imagine what that time would have been like. It must have been mind-blowing. I wonder how you'd have felt in that situation. They'd been waiting for this time, but not just waiting, they were praying. Waiting isn't a time of inactivity, it's a time of praying and then moving into what God has shown us in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's moving on in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, things change. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, but aren't all these who speak in Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? 
These God-fearing Jews were amazed. They'd never heard anything quite like it before. They could understand what the apostles were saying. They knew that they were Galileans, but they could understand in their own language. And they could hear them declaring the wonder of God. They wanted to know what it meant. I tried to imagine myself in that situation. I think I'd have been curious and apprehensive. I'd want to know what was going on. The Holy Spirit had enabled the prophets to speak so that others could understand them. It must have been an amazing situation. However, you always get the cynical ones. Some made fun of them, however, and said, huh, they've had too much wine. People will still deride today, especially when they don't understand what's going on. But then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Just think of it. Peter stood up. This was the Peter who a few weeks earlier had been so scared for his own life that when asked if he knew Jesus, he denied it. I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. He was scared then. But this is the Peter who is standing up and addressing the crowd. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we have a confidence that we didn't have before. There was a time when I wouldn't have stood here. I can remember as a teenager sitting in a group of youngsters discussing things and somebody said to me afterwards, why don't you join in and talk? I can't do that, I said. I can't do that, I've got nothing to say. And this person said to me at the time, but your opinion is just as important as anybody else's. Now her words didn't make any difference to me. I was all right, I could stand in front of a crowd of a class of 35 children, no problem. But to stand in front of adults was just not me. It wasn't her words that changed me. It was the Holy Spirit in me that enabled me to have the boldness to stand up here and speak. I wouldn't do it without his strengthening. In Matthew, Jesus said, when they arrest you, don't worry about what you're going to say. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. They hadn't been arrested, but they needed to justify what was going on. And I wonder if Peter remembered this when he stood up to speak, that Jesus had said, don't worry about what you're going to say, because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Certainly the Holy Spirit gave him those words. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. No, this was spoken of by the prophet Joel. 
In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see our sons and daughters, our children prophesying, standing here prophesying. But God says in the last days they will do it. Believe it, they can. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, not just one or two, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with, your joy, with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David didn't ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. You thought you'd got rid of him, but God has exalted him. God has made him Lord and Messiah. If we go back to Jesus' words in John, 
John, uh, Jesus said, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. The coming of the Holy Spirit brought clarity to Peter. And I believe that Peter was reminded of many things as he gave that speech. You only have to look at the questioning of the disciples in John chapters 13 and 12, 14, to see that the disciples didn't understand at the time everything that Jesus was saying to them about his death and about what was going on. But here's Peter clearly declaring all that had happened to Jesus. He'd understood it now. The Holy Spirit had given him clarity. And Peter's saying, I now know where Jesus is. He's with the Father. The message was simple. It was explained through scripture. He didn't have to do, use lots of words. He just gave it as it was. And the response? Hang on. It stopped. There you go. Oh. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? It had really hit them hard. I'm sure they must have felt real guilt at that point. What did we do to Jesus? What can we do now? And they felt that they needed to do something. The challenge brought a response. Peter didn't make a big appeal. He told it as it was. The Holy Spirit working through him, him did the rest. This led to repentance. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and brings not regret. Godly sorrow. The Holy Spirit had touched those people that day and there was their response. And when the Holy Spirit touches us and we repent, then we know that it is dealt with. We can move forward. Think of Peter denying Jesus. I'm sure his tears as he went out and wept were tears of repentance. He must have felt awful that day. I know I would have done. I let Jesus down. Why couldn't I have been stronger? Why couldn't I have just done it the right way? Why did I have to do that? Those tears were tears of repentance. But Jesus not only forgave him, he gave him a new role. Jesus is in the act of forgiving. He knew, Peter knew, that repentance brought change. And so was able to say, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, 
for, whole, for all whom our Lord, the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Vladimir talked a few weeks ago about repentance and he described repentance as being a changing of the way that you see God, a changing of your mindset. Repent and be baptised. Change your mindset towards God and then show your change of life by being baptised. Baptism doesn't bring the forgiveness of sins. That is the grace of God. Baptism symbolises a washing away of the old life. It shows that you've changed your mindset. And as you change your mindset to God and allow, you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, what Peter was saying here was, turn away from your old life and let God be central. Acknowledge that Jesus died for you, that he rose again and is now seated with the Father. Live in the light of forgiveness. Satan would seek to remind you of the past and make you feel guilty over and over again. But that's his lie. Jesus doesn't do that because if Jesus has forgiven you, it's finished. You don't have to go over it again. It's once and for all. They were promised the gift of the Holy Spirit and this promise is still valid today. It's so exciting. God wants to pour out his spirit on every one of us. He doesn't just keep it for one or another. It's for every one of us. <coughs> Do we want to receive it? And look at the response to Peter's plea. Those who accept his, his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to his number that day. Their number that day. How would we cope with that today? You can imagine 3,000 in here. I think we'd have a bit of a problem, wouldn't we? But are we ready for it? Are we ready for new people to come in? Are we ready to accept new people? the outcome from them responding they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily, imagine it. Every day somebody new coming. Wow, it's just amazing. And yet God did it. 
So what can we see from these verses? They wanted to go deeper in their relationship with God and they wanted to learn more. Miracles were a regular occurrence. They shared what they had. Is this different today? We see the greed of big business and the poor suffering. However, we do see generosity. I read on Facebook this week about three young teenagers who went and bought a McDonald's and a drink for a homeless man in South End. Generosity, it's still there today. A kind act. But they were doing it all the time. They met together in, every day in the temple courts and shared meals together. There was this desire to be with other people. I remember at college when we, we were new Christians together, there was this desire to meet together, to pray together, to read the word together, and to go out and, and share the good news with other people together. There was a desire to be together. And as I said before, daily there were new converts. The Holy Spirit had a big impact on the church then. I've been reading about the 1904 revival in Wales. I don't know if any of you have read it. But these are some of the things that changed as a result of the revival in Wales. Thousands of people were saved. Public houses became almost empty. Men and women who used to waste their money getting drunk were now saving it and giving it to the church. They were using money to buy clothes and food for their families. Stealing and other offences became less and less. And often a magistrate would go to court and found there were no cases for him to try. Men who blasphemed learned to talk properly, purely. The miners put in a better day's work. But the pit ponies couldn't understand what had happened to the miners as they spoke to them more kindly. And they were so used to being sworn at that they became disobedient. In fact, the owners had to get new pit ponies for them. People who'd been careless about paying their bills or paying back money they borrowed gave back all they owed. People who'd quarreled forgave each other and were reconciled. Society was changed and Wales became a God-fearing nation. And this wasn't just in Wales because this reached out beyond Wales to the nations. When the Holy Spirit comes, there is a big effect in the church. A massive change in the church. Do we believe it can happen today? I do. I believe it can happen today. Could it happen here? Yes, I believe it could. Do we want change? Do we want a deeper relationship with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to get, fill us again? I do. How about you? I've known those special times, and I've known the dry times. I'm human and I forget and I wander. But my prayer today is, come Holy Spirit and fill me again. 
How about you? Is that your prayer today? Come Holy Spirit, fill me again. I wonder what effect it would have in Basildon if the Holy Spirit filled each one of us again. What effect would it have in our neighbourhoods? What effect would it have in Essex? What effect would it have in Britain? The Welsh revival started in one church and it spread. When the Holy Spirit comes, things change. When the Holy Spirit came in the, with the first Christians, things changed. I believe that can happen today. We're going to finish with the song, Let Your Glory Fall in This Place. And as you join in, feel free to respond if you want the Holy Spirit to fill you again. And as we sing it, I'm going to put the baskets out at the front. And as part of worshipping God, bring your offerings to him. But allow the Holy Spirit to just touch you as we sing this song. <laughs>